0: We're going to pick up where we left off uh, last Sunday. Uh, I want to look at uh, 1 John chapter one, verses seven through nine. and you say, "Why in the world are we going to look at those verses one? Because those verses are falling out of my Bible. I just uh, my Bible's sort of falling apart here. Uh, but we're going to look at them very carefully this morning, and hopefully you're going to see something in this verse, especially verse nine, verse seven and verse nine that you've never seen before, that you've never taken into consideration about what Jesus can do in your life. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to focus this morning for the most part uh, on verse 9. And each Sunday for the last several weeks, what I've been doing is asking you a question. And the question serves as the title of my sermon. And the title of my sermon Today is this, do you seek to be cleansed of sin? Now last week we talked about what you and I needed to do to be forgiven. If we confess our sins, He will forgive our sins. That's very clear, but that there's more than that. It also says that He, that is the Lord Jesus, will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And most of us seek only half of what is promised By this verse, we seek the forgiveness, but have you ever sought the cleansing that this verse promises? And you might wonder well, what in the world is the difference? I hope to show you that this morning. Honestly, there are some of us who confess sin every day who have no desire to be cleansed of it. We have every intention of returning to that sin tomorrow. Uh, we, have, we still have a measure of guilt over it. We still feel guilty about that sin, even when we have sinned that sin 99 times, and we're about to confess it for the 100th time and ask for forgiveness, but that's not true repentance. True repentance seeks to be cleansed of sin once and for all. That's why I raised this fourth question Do you seek to be cleansed of sin? Now, point number one in this message, outlined by four simple statements, is this. There is a difference between forgiveness and cleansing. So, we're thinking about what you might need to do in your life and I might need to do in mine. Do you have any interest in making an end of the sin that is in your life? Do I have any interest in making this an end of the sin that is in my life? And I think those are legitimate questions to ask this morning. How many of us truly have a desire to be cleansed of our sin, to be finished with it? And why should we? Uh, after all, if, if, if sin committed can be forgiven by simply confessing it, why worry about the presence of sin in your life? Some time ago, I was listening to a message by a pastor that I enjoy listening to. He's dead now, but some of his messages are still out there floating around, if you can find them. His name was Dr. J. Edwin Orr, and he told the story of an old Irishman who approached his priest about meeting him in the confessional. The priest was about to go out of town But the man was so burdened by his need to confess, he asked his priest, he said, can it wait? Can you delay your trip so that we can talk? And so the priest, seeing his concern, delayed his trip. He met the old Irishman in the confessional. And there he confessed to him that he had stolen two bags of potatoes out of a local farmer's barn. The priest said, you stole two bags of potatoes. He said, yes, I did. And then he asked him if it was a particular farmer who was also one of the members of that church. The man hung his head and admitted it was. He had stolen two bags of potatoes, not only from a man who was a farmer, but from a farmer who was a member of that church. The priest said, "Why I just talked with that farmer today, and he told me that somebody had stolen one bag of potatoes. The Irishman hung his head again and said, Yes, I only stole one bag, but I was planning on going and stealing the other one tonight, and I thought I should go ahead and confess in advance. He wanted forgiveness, but he wanted no cleansing. The little book of 1 John cautions us about being comfortable with the presence of our sin of sin in our lives, how many of us, like that old Irishman, confess the same sin over and over without any desire to be cleansed of it? I want you to consider what uh, John said in First John, chapter three, verses four through six. Now we're looking at the First John, so I think it's legitimate that we can look in other places. So we're talking about verse nine. But we need to look at chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Everyone who sins... And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. And there is no sin in Him. Anyone who continues... To live in Him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know Him or understand who He is. It's legitimate then, is it not, that we talk about the other part of 1 John 1, 9. Not only confessing so that we can be forgiven, but also so that we can be cleansed. Point number two. The true believer seeks to be cleansed. Of sin, Now, the old Irishman's idea was that he could keep on sinning as long as he asked for forgiveness. He misunderstood the gospel. He misunderstood the person, the purpose, and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did John say that Jesus came to do? He came to take away our sins. That is not only to take, away, take them away from our record in heaven, but also to free us from the power that they have over our lives. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. John said, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us. We've been singing about it. He's a good, good Father. Uh, I am who I, you say I am. I'm a child of God. Look at what he says about the child of God. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called Children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Here's the third point. The true believer seeks to live separated from sin. You must never, I must never accept sin is okay in my life. Are you in your life? The basic meaning of the word pure in verse 3, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure the basic meaning of that word pure is to sanctify. You sanctify yourself from sin by first separating yourself from it and failure to separate yourself from sin reveals that something is terribly wrong between you and God. Verse 6 of chapter 3 says, anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. So a person who is truly Experience God. We talked about that. We asked the first question. Have you experienced God? Do you have fellowship with God? Are you honest about sin? Do you seek to be cleansed of sin? The person who's, who's experienced God will have a desire to be clean. Most of us are like that Irishman. We want to be cleared of sin before God without ever having been cleansed of sin. But did you know there is not one word in the Bible about you being cleared of sin. That is a failure to understand the work of God in your life. As a matter of fact, the first thing that God does is to convict you of sin. He convicts you of sin. Jesus said that would be the work of the Holy Spirit. When the the Spirit of truth comes, He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. There is not a person in this room or on the planet who can ever be cleared of sin. All of us stand before God in the light of His presence, convicted as sinners. We're guilty before God. He convicts you as guilty. He demands that you confess before God your guilt. Sin is a serious matter in the eyes of God. And the person who has truly experienced God knows that. And seeks to be clean. And why is that? Because as John said earlier, as believers, we have the hope of one day standing before him. And we want to stand there clean. Now we're going to look at a couple of other verses. We're still talking about 1 John 1, 9, along with 1 John 1, 7. But we need to look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He said, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. We're talking about sin. We're talking about being rid of sin in our lives. Not only being forgiven of it, but being cleansed of it. That there is a difference between forgiveness and cleansing. So he said, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, or the righteous one. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Here's point number three. The true believer deals with sin by coming to Jesus. First comes the process of conviction. Then you must be honest before God and confess your sin. And what happens next is a miracle of God's grace and mercy. As you stand before the throne of God's justice, Having confessed your guilt, having confessed your sin, God provides you with an advocate. Now that word advocate, is a, it comes from a Greek word that means someone called alongside to help. It is the same Greek word that Jesus used in the Gospel of John when He talked about the Holy Spirit and He called Him the Comforter, the Counselor. It is the same word. But here, John says that before the throne of God's justice, Jesus is first our advocate. We need an advocate because we stand before God guilty. Guilty. I do. You do. We all do. We've been following the story of the package bombs sent around the nation. We know the identity of the bomber. He will be guilty of that crime. He is guilty. He will always be guilty. He will never be cleared of that crime. Not before the courts. Not before the court of God's justice. He's always guilty. The person who did the shooting at the synagogue yesterday is guilty. He will be guilty. He will be guilty before the courts of men. He will be guilty in the eyes of God. He will never be cleared of that sin. You will never be cleared of your sin. But you have an advocate. As you stand guilty before God... To stand with you before God, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus does not clear us of our sins. We are always guilty, guilty enough for hell, but thank God they can be covered. And that's what John went on to say. We have the advocate, we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and He Himself is the propitiation. That is a big, long word that comes straight out of the Old Testament. Let me take, let me paint you a little picture quickly in the old testament there was the temple and and first there was the tabernacle before they built the temple but then they put you know the the, the holy place where the priests could go and then the holy of holies where only the high priest could go and inside the holy of holies the high priest could only go one time a year and in the holy of holies was the ark of the covenant and on the ark of the there was there were angels that, that, that stood on either side of the Ark of the Covenant with their wings outstretched, one on this end, one on the other, and their wings touched, and the middle was called the mercy seat. That means that it was the source, the center, the fountain of mercy. And what happened one time a year, the priest would bring blood into the mercy seat, and he would sprinkle it on top of the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, And the sin of God's people would be covered. And the sacrifice that satisfied the justice of God for that season was called the propitiation. And so John picks up that picture, sticks it in our New Testament, and says Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. We will always be guilty before God, guilty enough for hell. But thank God we have someone to stand beside us before the court of God's justice. And we have a covering for our sin. And that is the blood of Jesus, His Son. As your advocate, Jesus can never tell God you're not guilty. You'll always be guilty. And no amount of repentance can ever change that. An ocean of tears will never change that. There's only one thing that can do anything about that, and that is... You need a propitiation, you need something to cover that sin. Now in the mind of that Irishman who stole that bag of potatoes, as long as he had an advocate and a covering for his sin, he could go on sinning. Well, you know, I can confess my sin. Jesus is going to stand by me. He's going to stand with me and he's going to say, "God, he's guilty, but I've covered his sin with my blood and so that's okay. I've got a sacrifice. I've got a propitiation. Anytime I sin, I've got the blood of Jesus and I can just smear the blood of Jesus all over it and it's okay." Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here's something you need to see. From the book of Hebrews, these verses are not going to be on the screen. You might open your Bible and look at these verses. Chapter 10, beginning to read in verse 26. If we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice. For sins. But a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. That's pretty tough, isn't it? And then he says, pay careful attention, how much. Severer punishment. Do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted? the Spirit of grace. For we know Him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge His people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Do you see that picture? You can't go on sinning as if It didn't matter to God because Jesus died and you can confess it and everything is okay. It's not so. The Bible never says it, never said it. Make no mistake about it. The person who has experienced God wants to walk in continuing fellowship with God. Because of that, he or she will seek to be cleansed of sin. The Irishman would have prayed, Oh God, not only do I want you to forgive me of stealing my neighbor's potatoes, I want you to cleanse me of the very desire of it so that I will never steal a bag of potatoes again. Now look closely at verse 9. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The final point of the message is also a question. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power. You say, I've never heard this before. Oh, you've heard it all your life. You just never, it never registered with you. You sang it every time you sang that song. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? The Bible says in 1 John 1, 7, that the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us of all sin. Is that forgiveness? No, no. Forgiveness is making the thing right with God. Jesus did that by His death. There's not one thing you can do to earn or achieve that. All you can do is put your faith in the only one who can set things right, and that is Jesus and His work on the cross. Who is faithful to accomplish that? 1 John 1, 9 says, he is, faithful to, he is also faithful to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now you might say to me, Well, I believe Jesus for, for, my, for my forgiveness but have you believed Jesus for your cleansing? Now you're going to say, well, Brother Eddie, you've confused me. Well, let me straighten it out here real quick. Let's say you go to the doctor. You have a bad infection. And he gives you a shot. And he says you ought to feel better today. Maybe even for a few days. After that, you'll probably get sick again. And you'll have to come back again. And you say, well, you know... I really don't want to get sick again. Can, can you give me something that will cure me? I don't want this sickness. Is there a way to be well? Nobody wants to be sick day after day, do they? A person really wants to be well. We want to be healthy. And this verse, 1 John 1, 9, says, He's faithful to forgive you. But does it say, He's faithful to forgive you, but you will probably get sick again? So as often as you get sick again, come back and He will forgive you again. Yes, it says that. But it also says more. It says He's faithful to forgive and to cleanse. Now I had a few more things I wanted to say, but I need to wrap it up. And let me wrap it up with a couple of hymns, if I might. One that you may not know because it's so old, some of you younger people may never have sung it. One maybe you have sung. But there's an old, old hymn called Rock of Ages. You remember that song? Some of you do. It teaches this very thing. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. And then, one other. Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want thee forever to ransom my soul. Break down every idol, cast out every foe. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. But it says more. Lord Jesus, for this I most humbly entreat I wait, blessed Lord, at thy crucified feet. By faith, for my cleansing, I see thy blood flow. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. To forgive and to cleanse. Jesus is faithful to do both. And you need to ask him to do both. Lord, not only forgive me of this sin that I sinned, but God, take away the very desire so that I'll never want to do it again.